Previously on But It Was Aliens. A security patrol saw lights descending into Rendlesham Forest. It's not often I get to say credible, trustworthy witnesses <laughs> and actually mean it. But you've cried wolf so many times I don't know how to, like, take this. In a small clearing between trees, the military folk were greeted by the sight of a glowing object. And the brightest of these lights beamed down a beam. Moving over the base, <laughs> searching, particularly around the weapons storage areas. It's rumoured that there was nuclear tech here. Do you reckon in 2030, Elon Musk discovers time travel? The second sightings work so much in the military's favour to cover this event up. Two men tracked the object on foot and came upon a large object sitting atop a tripod with no windows but covered in red and blue lights. Jim didn't even think about what was in the notepad again for many years until... Howdy howdy! Alright, bah! <laughs> I'm alright, bah! Welcome to But It Was Aliens, the extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe real-life alien incidents to determine whether they really did involve aliens. I'm your host today, Kevin the Grey, and with me is this little Marty bastard, Granville Moonwalker. What up? Last week... You're Marty, bitch. See, Marty. Last week, we left off midway through what turned out to be a two-part episode on Rendlesham Forest for our big 5-0. It was just too big for one probe, so we've had to whip out the double on it. So let's get right back into it. We've now been to Rendlesham Forest, so let's start off with your thoughts on the forest and the cannon events, shall we, Granville? It was fucking hot. We're in the middle of some sort of disgusting heat wave in the UK right now. And Remember, this is going to be on in the middle of winter. <laughs> Bullshit. <coughs> it's going to be like January, February. Oh, fucking is, isn't it? Rendlesham was shit. <laughs> it was long. It was foresty. To be fair, we took, what, about an hour? About an hour and 15 minutes, yeah. To walk around. Didn't feel like that at all. And uh, I saved you from some deer poop <laughs> quite a few times. Nearly stepped in deer poop. The deers had been out in force. <laughs> Sitting in the trees, I don't know waiting. what they'd had for breakfast. <laughs> so no thoughts on the military base or the track, the path that the craft followed? It's kind of what I expected, like with the base itself. We couldn't go, there are some bits we couldn't go in, and there were warnings of troops training, so... But there were tracks yeah. around it, weren't there? So it's like it still is operational. I think that's just them protecting Protecting what? something. Exactly. What are they still protecting? What remains are there? Or you just have some pricks that want to go on and vandalise stuff, so they uh, protect those. Maybe even poachers. What are they poaching? Deer. <laughs> they could just do that in the forest. So. <laughs> you can poach on this side of the line, <laughs> but not on this side. So here's a quick mock-up of the craft Jim saw. Remember Jim? Prick. Now this craft, me and G also saw, as it's now a sculpture or statue 
in the forest itself. They turn the site of these events into a nature walk that tells the story of the events we are probing. I recommend anyone nearby to Rendlesham Suffolk gives it a try because it's interesting and walking is good for you. Be healthy. Be healthy, y'all. Here's a photo, sir, if you could describe what you see. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, So you've clearly been more than once. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm looking at is this prick opposite me. Oh, he looks like a handsome devil in that photo. That, That guy stood in front of the UFO. Real manly, chiselled. Striking a pose. <laughs> he also happened to strike earlier on, except he's uh, looking more prickish here. So no thought, and no thoughts on outlining the craft for our audience who can hear us but not see? No, they can wait. Because I'm still going to describe you as being a prick. He's about five foot six. <laughs> Short. Five foot seven, actually. About five foot six. (laughs) (laughs) Five foot seven and and a half. I don't know how to describe you other than a prick. So, right, let's get to the craft. Handsome, chiseled, gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) Real manly. Prick. I'd even take hairy at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little hairy prick. Alright, so what I'm seeing is a little hairy prick stood in front of this statue of a UFO. Which... There's a few more pictures here as well. Pretty much would look like you would... I, well, I, I want to say like you would expect it to look like, but then you look at it and it doesn't look like no, you would expect it to look like. it's more triangular than I think I expected. Imagine a... <laughs> Upside down mushroom. <laughs> I was going to say triangle but then it's not pointy like a it is kind of though isn't it it's got the three points to it then it's just just trying to think of something that is similar spherical between the points i don't think there is anything similar i can't think of anything that looks quite like it in fairness but it's shiny and it's black anyway (laughs) and it's about six foot six maybe in height i wouldn't say it's six six probably about six foot no, it's it's bigger than that. Because when I took the photo of you in front of it, you had a nice space for another. So <laughs> you, you weren't anywhere near. <laughs> Upside down mushroom is the closest that the official descriptions come, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Looks like a hat. It looks That's kind of like a hat. Like. Yeah, a big hat. The, what are those triangle hats that sailors used to wear? Or you know, like more seamen than me. Admiral. Pardon? Admirals. But yeah, there were glyphs on the side of it as well, which didn't look like any language that I've ever come across personally. I don't know how you would describe them. Like what they look like. This is a fucking terrible description for an audio podcast. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're doing our finest work here. (laughs) But one was like a triangle with little circles dotted on it. There will be pictures. One is almost like letters that don't exist, like a back-to-front F, but also slightly upside down. It's, yeah, hard to describe it, really. It's not... There's no comparison point to anything we're familiar with. So let's just call it Alien. Before we move on... Yes? There are two pictures I'm looking at right now. 
One is of Kev pointing to the name Kev scratched into the UFO. Now, either he did this himself and he's a dirty little hairy vandal, <laughs> or someone else called Kev was there. Or aliens. And then the other picture I'm looking So, Kev staying at 5 6. 7 for Christ's sake. <laughs> next Be <to> fair. The... <sighs> Fine. Kev standing 5 7 with shoes on next to the. 5 7 and a half with shoes on. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Next to this craft, he's, you've described it as being six foot six, right? Yep. So you're what? Five. A foot off the top of this craft? Uh, about that, yep. And the other picture is of a lady next to this craft. Now, <laughs> either there's another version of this craft somewhere, <laughs> or she is tiny. Because she looks about two foot three. I can see why you think that, but if you look closer at her She's not kneeling down. She's taking a knee. No, she's not. She is. (laughs) She's stood upright. You can see the knee is bent. All I can see is a kneecap and the rest of her leg. She's tiny. (laughs) But yeah, the aliens obviously knew we were coming and scratched my name into it. Hmm. Is that what they did? Little vandal. They were a small human. Or something small was in there if they were flying it. See, I wondered about that because Jim said that there wasn't a cockpit area, but I think you could sit a couple of people down in there quite comfortably. Probably one. And who's to say they're as big as us? True. He's looking at it from a human perspective, isn't he? He also touched this, didn't he? So he says... Did he get burnt? We will get on to the details. Okay. I was about that's, that's a good segue there, to be honest. If he had any uh, radiation poisoning or anything. So we left off discussing Jim and his notebook, if you recall. Jim moved on, as I say, and fulfilled a respectable career. But as time passed, he had some issues, possibly with post-traumatic stress, and ended up seeing a therapist, then a hypnotist, as they believed that Jim may have experienced some childhood trauma. However... When Jim was hypnotised, as Jim came round, the therapist demanded that Jim attend a second session. Jim asked the hypnotist what he had spoken about, and the hypnotist explained that Jim had mentioned the Rendlesham incident, and specifically said, when asked if he saw beams from a craft, that he had seen visitors. Visitors. So Jim attended a second session, with the sessions being about four hours. Jim. So Jim hadn't mentioned any of this until he started having therapy. Hypnosis again. Mm-hmm. But he didn't go out looking for this. He was made to go to therapy, and that's where it came out. All right. Um, do you know if the transcript of his sessions is anywhere? Like, do you have it? Or... I don't have it. Jim reportedly has it, but it's quite personal. Oh. One of those ones again. He, um, I believe he's shown it to people, but he hasn't published it. And I can understand that, quite frankly. Okay. it's fair enough. At least he's shown it to someone. Not the old... And the therapist themselves. <laughs> yeah. Not the but, old... Uh, yeah, I've got it, but no one's seeing it. 
I'm not saying at this point that everything that Jim is going to come out with is definitely accurate, but I do find it interesting that he wasn't shouting and screaming about this until he had those sessions, and that brought it out of him. That makes him slightly more credible to me. Bringing up the hypnosis and him having the files but not releasing them reminds me of John Fung. How so? Um, because John Fung claimed the exact same thing and he wouldn't put the files out because they're personal to him. I'm wondering, just side note, has John Fung just literally researched loads of different <laughs> like UFO things and just taken them all in and created his own story. To be honest, that would not surprise me in the slightest. I think that's probably exactly <laughs> what John Fum did. He's <laughs> like, right, we'll use this one and then we'll get to here. Then we'll use that one and we'll get to there. And then I, then I had sex with this one <laughs> in the forest. Okay, right. Jim, PTSD, visitors that you never mentioned before. Yep. Am I did good? he describe them? We're getting into more detail on Jim. So Jim now recalls the event in more detail, having been hypnotised in approximately 1994. Let's go back to the forest through the power of Jim's mind. Tracking the red, blue and green lights through the forest, eventually Jim came upon the landing zone of the craft. Jim states that he felt pressure building up in his head (laughs) as he got closer and closer (laughs) to the landing site. But once he got within close vicinity of the craft, this feeling vanished. Jim came upon a black yet glowing craft in the clearing as we covered. However, what we didn't cover is that when Jim touched the craft... Jim says that a white light, which he describes as a flash, simply because he doesn't know any other way to describe it, but he confirms that it wasn't a flash. (laughs) Then Jim started. Yeah, yeah. But then Jim started seeing binary code. Jim wrote down the glyphs and the binary code in his notebook. You know binary code, the ones and zeros, computer language? Jim continued to see this for a short while after touching the craft. The rest of the incident played out pretty much as we covered. The Matrix. <laughs> Jim is in, he's in the Matrix. He's Neo. Let's call him Midge. <laughs> You're the one, Midge. So we've seen the glyphs. Mm, don't you? Mm. Mm. I'd say they aren't like anything seen through history, but they could be. Just They're not like anything, not anything we, know that we know of. Yeah. Any other thoughts before I move on? Just trying to think of like... So he didn't get burnt when he touched it. Doesn't appear to have been, no. Just this white flash that isn't a flash. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try to think about what that is, because if he can't <laughs> explain it himself, there's no way I'm going to be able to guess it. Hmm. Okay. I'm ready for you to continue. So being in the Air Force... Jim was subject to a military non-disclosure agreement for 13 years, but he got a heads up from good old Holt on his leaving the military to ask about Bentwaters. So in his exit agreement, Jim asked about Bentwaters and was told by the generic exit interviewer person that the information had been released to the public so Jim could talk about it freely. This is why Jim is able to talk freely and has come out with the full story. 
So again, Holt just wants it out there. He wants mm. the truth. So subsequently, not only did Jim attend a second hypnotherapy session, but he would later dig out his old notebook. This notebook is one of the little pocketed ones with pages with holes in them attached to a binder. Jim kept all his old military stuff, so was able to find the one he was looking for after a little searching. Any thoughts on this before I open this book? Is it going to... Oh, so I've been to Ben Wars um, mm-hmm. a few times. The military base? Kid, yeah. As a kid, when it was up and running. Couldn't tell you, like, I was quite young at the time. Going to open the book and there's going to be loads of, like, squiggles and drawings and stuff, isn't there? Like when uh, <laughs> someone gets possessed and they just start writing. Well, like, I don't know about possessed, but I've got feelings on this book that we'll again get into in a bit i want to say speaking in tongues but they're not speaking they're literally drawing and just going yeah it's gonna be full of glyphs so in the notebook jim found not only the glyphs he had drawn but binary code he'd written down the damn binary code but let's just check the glyphs again first so here you can see a picture of the actual notebook and this notebook was handed in at the time of the investigation so yeah, this was seen by Holt and whatnot at the time. So we know those glyphs are accurate. Okay. The, uh, his drawings of the glyphs are terrible. Uh, he's, then, he's got art skills comparable to my own. I was about to give him the benefit of the doubt, considering it was dark, mm-hmm. cold. But they are quite... It's not bad for hmm. the circumstances. Not at all. Not at all. What do you reckon it says? Kev is a little hairy vandal. Did not put my own name on it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Tried to claim it. Nah. <laughs> I don't see your name on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, I fucking do. <laughs> and then you point to it. If I go back there and there's a G on it. What, just a G on its own? Or part of another fucking word? On its own. Alright. Or part of a word. <laughs> if you go back there and write my name on it. Stick your photo on it. <laughs> Putting writing on a ship, we do that on airplanes, don't we? That we do. And obviously SpaceX, the Dragon capsule that's landed not too long ago, says Dragon on it. It's quite a human thing to do, isn't it? That's not to say that aliens wouldn't do it too, but I'm just making the observation. So they'd be able to tell what... I wouldn't say what craft is what, but what craft is what. Mm. If they have, if, for example, if they have a fleet of them. So... Mm. I have no idea what it said, like what it could say. <laughs> could say let's go steal some shit. Jim had experienced visions of binary code when approaching the craft and for a period of time afterwards, as we discussed. Hence why he was able to write something like 15 pages of this code down before forgetting about it. Jim couldn't read binary code and it was the early 80s. There was no Google. But after retirement... A rendition research group was put together consisting of top anonymous academics, for example, from Cambridge University. Everyone had to stay anonymous due to the ongoing stigma. The code has subsequently been translated. What do you reckon it says? That they're talking out of their arse. <laughs> how, would, how would you even know what any of that is? What, and how it's binary code? No, oh. I was thinking you were thinking of the glyphs no yeah. no no we don't know what they are okay but well, he wrote down binary code and, let's take that let's and we now have the capability to rewind it 
I've got no idea what it says. <laughs> <laughs> so, the code begins by stating... Exploration of humanity. Continuous for planetary advance. A list of coordinates is then reeled off for world sites such as the Great Pyramid, the Nazca Lines, the Greek Temple of Apollo, and a few others, including an old map location of a phantom island called High Brazil, just off of Ireland. This island existed on old maps as far back as 1325, but has not been found by modern humans. The island stopped appearing on maps by 1865. Finally, the code ends, stating... Eyes of your eyes, origin year 8100. I've watched a lot of interviews with Jim. Hours. And he believes that. We'll call them they. They intended to collect genetic material due to issues they were having with reproduction. So here I've got a photo of the binary code. If you want to look at it, go for it. If you're not interested, doesn't matter because it's not really going to make a difference to the... Mm, hello, look. It's a lot of zeros and ones. Mm-hmm. A lot of bloody zeros and ones. Yeah. Um, so but one thing I do yeah. wish to ask... Yes? If there are locations on there, such mm-hmm. as the Great Pyramid, the Nazca yep. Lines, and the Greek Temple of Apollo, yep. why the fudge are they in Suffolk? Looking at weaponry, so maybe they document everywhere they go, and they're going to document Suffolk next when they go to the next place. They might be looking at our capabilities, so in ancient Egypt, the pyramids were the best demonstration of our capabilities. In 1980, the best demonstration of our capabilities might have been nukes. Who knows? Mm, Good point. But yeah, origin year 8100, or 8100 if you will. So they're from the future? Possibly. Unless they count time in a different way to us. (laughs) Hadn't thought of that until just now. (laughs) But let's say they're from the future. Yes. Musk. (laughs) (laughs) 2030 Musk he's found a way to go forward Forward he's found a way to go back (laughs) he's gone forward to 8100 and then gone back to 1980 there is something specific he's looking for Musk we know it's you (laughs) so Jim himself believes that this incident is not extraterrestrial Jim has gone on record to state that he believes that we are being visited by us from the future he's met Musk Musk Jim believes that future humanity has evolved to develop problems with reproduction and are travelling through time to help this crisis post-8100. Jim also believes that they are studying humanity much as we look at our past to the best of our ability and available technology. So we might go dig. Nice thinking there, Jim. Back on board. (laughs) Future us, not aliens. Mm. Called it. Musk. But then, if we're coming from the future, does that count as aliens, technically? Would you class an alien as something otherworldly? But it might have... We could be on other planets by that point. That's a good point. We could have come from other planets. Musk. So... (laughs) (laughs) Musk, get in touch Let us know We're always uh, being told about Sexual encounters with aliens And them 
taking eggs or probing. Taking, yeah, probing. Taking fetuses from women yep. and stuff like that. Absolutely. So uh, maybe Jim's on the sign here. This could explain it, couldn't I it? I will uh, wind my neck in about what I said about <laughs> Jim in the first half. So on that note, I should just add that Jim's own notebook, which he says was written at the time, actually has the wrong date on it. I'm not sure how to interpret that. If you were faking after the fact, you'd get the right date, wouldn't you? Strange one. But there we have it, the binary code. The notebook was first shown in a 2003 documentary called UFO Invasion on the Sci-Fi Channel. Holt handled the notebook at the time and verifies that a craft was seen, but did not actually see any binary code within the notebook at that time. But the last page of Jim's notebook before the binary code does read as follows. No air disturbance. Take off. Unknown speed. Impossible. Before this documentary, Jim never made mention of the binary code, including during interviews around 1994 to 1996. But the sighting itself was there and Jim did draw the craft for a security guard after coming off shift the morning of the sighting. That's confirmed by the guard, Richard Bertolino. Jim says that he did submit all this information in his original military report, but was made by suited people to sign a half-page statement from the four pages he submitted and stuck to that shorter story until free of military constraint. What do you think about Jim's experiences? After hearing a bit more about this and hearing from Conrad himself, who is quite angry at Holt for coming out, it's quite possible they are hiding some shit. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that there's more to this story than has been made public. Mm-hmm. Um, how long was it before... So after the first sighting, how long was he in the military for after that? Oh, about 13, 14 years. So it would be 13, 14 years before he comes out with the full story. Yeah, 1994, he was hypnotised and it came to light then. And between 94 and 96, he started to communicate to an extent... Is it quite possible that the... Because the brain fills in gaps. Yep. He saw the lights, the -hmm. first part that Ryle saw, but through hypnotic suggestion and the fact that the brain tries to fill in memories and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. we're getting a bit more than he actually saw. So don't get me wrong, he fully believes it because that's what his brain is telling him. Yeah, yeah, and I completely take on board what you're saying there. And actually, my own thought is that he probably did see something. He wrote down at the time that he'd seen this craft, no air disturbance. He might have even seen glyphs on the craft. But I think he may have embellished, perhaps because the hypnotism has given him those ideas about more happening than perhaps did. And also, that notepad, notepack, notebook... Pad? (laughs) Pud. (laughs) It was one of those ones where you can slip pages in. So I wonder Uh, if he wrote the binary code after the fact, which is why Holt, who comes across, like I say, as really credible, didn't didn't see see the binary code, but did vouch for everything else. So that binary code could have been stuck in after. But like I say, that's not to say that there's nothing to it. Just that the binary code, I find it was a bit of a, like someone's Mm -hmm. trying to give more evidence to sell their story because they know something's happened. They don't think people are believing them or whatnot. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's basically the story. There's still controversy surrounding it. There's a story out there 
that all involved were debriefed and told never to mention the events again. Holt says that this is not accurate and that he has never been debriefed and today many have spoken about the events as we have covered and none have been assassinated. Our good friend who doesn't know it yet, Nick Pope, has gone on record to state that more is known about Rendlesham than has been revealed and feels that the event is of extreme defence significance. Beams were fired down onto weapons storage areas in some of the most sensitive bases of the times. Pope states that Jim is an honest man who doesn't actually seek attention knowing him personally at this point. But Pope, who of course used to be the Ministry of Defence's UFO investigator, has more to offer. We're just going to check out a snipper approximately 11 minutes in on Season 2, Episode 5 of The Basement Office, which I'll link to in the show notes. It's basically a YouTube series with Nick Pope on it occasionally covering UFO events sometimes that are in the media. Okay. So if you want to just check this out, and I recommend anyone who is interested in learning more about this goes to watch the whole episode. Disability. Yep. You produce a classified? Well, originally classified, highly classified, secret UKIs only, but now in the public domain. That said, that said, uh, UFO probably gave them radiation. Yes. (laughs) His mind is blown. Yep. That's real? Yes, that's real. Senator McCain uh, was involved in, in this, a number of senatorial and congressional aides were involved with this. The VA was being asked to evaluate and grant me disability based on the injuries I received in the line of duty in December of 1980 in Reynolds Forest. Oh. Okay, so the VA says this is real. Yep, so official. They've given disability for So that. they've said that nothing happened, yet they've paid someone out for something that happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. Something happened. Yeah. Pope knows the truth. Pope knows. So they have physical data confirming high heat and radiation from a craft. Why has... Okay, I believe that Jim was there. I don't know if I believe that he touched it. Yeah. I think Which that... is what I say. I think yeah. the hypnosis maybe has led to him embellishing his story somewhat. 
I think he definitely saw something and chased something because we have multiple witnesses. But then I don't know that he actually touched it. But yeah, lighthouse sighting. You don't pay out for a lighthouse sighting. <laughs> and again, these people would know what a fucking lighthouse is. Yeah. Especially if they see it all the time. Mm-hmm. So Holt remains hungry for the truth. He has told the BBC as recently as the year 2015 that he has obtained evidence that radar operators at RAF Bentwaters detected the craft on radar. Furthermore, more at that base have admitted off-camera, so to speak, that they saw the craft pass over them too. The radar operators confirmed that the craft moved over their 60-mile detection radius in less than three seconds, meaning that it moved tens of thousands of miles per hour. The craft moved all the way across the field of detection, then immediately moved right back and stopped absolutely dead with no deceleration. The craft then went into the forest more slowly. This information was published in newspapers in 2015, but I was not able to independently verify it myself. We've seen uh, crafts that are able to turn on yeah. a dime. Yeah. Nimitz. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh. <laughs> You're getting that tingle. <laughs> That extraterrestrial tingle. <laughs> so one tiny, tiny tidbit. In terms of radar detection, a separate object was detected by Bentwater around late October or November 1980 and is sometimes erroneously attributed to this case. It could be the same craft, who knows? But the radar detection of any objects on the December nights have not been definitively confirmed. But the MOD knows more, remember? Yeah, they're not going to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. I spent pretty much a whole week investigating this. <laughs> There's so-, <laughs> so much information out there. And it just stinks of a cover-up. I bet there's so many files that are still classified. Yeah. And people have obviously been... You'd imagine so. ...not to speak on it. So would you like to check out one final video via the History Channel's Ancient Aliens Season 12 Episode 3 for a theory on what was going on? Sir, if you could please fast forward to 3 minutes and 40 seconds into the following video, which I will again link in the show notes. Good old ancient aliens. (laughs) Fucking adverts. Good old adverts. (laughs) Okay, there's five crafts there. I suspect it was some kind of scam to see what was inside, the ordnance inside. What we do know is Lieutenant Colonel Holt saw Colonel Williams just a few hours later and told him that beams had been shone down into the storage bunkers. And he said, I think the audience needs to be checked out. If Colonel Holt's report is true, why were these craft emitting beams of light down into the Woodbridge base? Tell me why! According to some ancient astronaut theorists, they may have been conducting a search, not for nuclear weapons, but for one of their own craft. Ooh. Ooh. Conducting some sort of grid search. The reason he said that was that he's getting around. And uh, kind of makes sense, really. The other one came down the day before. Mm hmm. Interesting, and that makes me think from our site visit why 
it's all still blocked off. If they're not using it anymore, you can't get in. What was there? Are there leftovers? Is the radiation still there from alien tech? Bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I say we go back and uh, (laughs) hop the fence. fence. (laughs) I think someone's... That makes sense as to why we saw the uh, snipped fence. Yep. Been repaired. Someone's thought the same thing, gone in and checked. People have tried to... Hashtag probe. So we've mentioned a possible hoax. The BBC actually reported that former US military policeman Kevin Cond admitted responsibility for creating strange lights in the forest with his vehicle with modified lights. There is zero evidence supporting this claim. Meanwhile, our friend David Clark, whom was a UFO researcher and national archiver, we mentioned him in the first part, mm-hmm. reported a claim that these incidents were set up by the SAS as a revenge plot on the United States Air Force. In August 1980, according to this story, the SAS parachuted into RAF Woodbridge to test security at what was supposedly then a nuclear site. The Air Force had recently upgraded security and detected the stealth parachutes on radar, resulting in the SAS being interrogated and beaten up, with the insult being that they were unidentified aliens. The SAS therefore exacted their unidentified alien revenge, making the Air Force believe they'd seen aliens with coloured flares remote-controlled devices, balloons, and light riggings thus becoming laughing stocks. This is the first mention of something that could have caused burning and damage to the surrounding trees, but there is no further evidence of this one either. How would that explain the spike in radiation? I ain't got no clue. Um, light's going, going up, so if a flare was to come down, yes. But then they followed this for two hours. Mm-hmm. A flare wouldn't... It's pretty so. extreme to imagine following SAS people for a forest doing all these elaborate yeah. tricks for two hours with lights literally in the sky. Not only... It would then mean that they would be able to move... Because it was all forest. Mm-hmm. So they would have to know the forest inside yeah. out to be able to do that. And... Don't get me wrong. And you'd have to... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, they are extremely skilled. But to be able to keep moving in front of the enemy, setting off flares, and them not see the light come from a flare gun? For me, they'd have to have set this up during the day because there would be so much involved. You can't rig a forest overnight with no light without being detected by the military next door. But you would have been... Detected during the day exactly, as well, and people exactly. are more likely to see you. So. so yeah, I find that one unlikely personally. Also, the guy that says uh, he admitted responsibility for creating yep. strange lights with his vehicle—it's a forest. <laughs> like, yeah, there yeah. were clearings and obviously trails and yeah stuff when we went, but that would have been all forest. Yeah, you'd have a road in and out of the base, and that's pretty much it. How could he get his vehicle in there and create the lights with no sound? Because you would hear the engine of the car. Because obviously it'd have to move. Cover up. So what alternative explanations are out there? The poopers out there describe these incidents as a combination of misinterpretations. That of nocturnal lights, a fireball, the Orfordness lighthouse and stars in the night sky. 
Astronomers say that the fireball could have been debris entering the atmosphere and burning up. Clouds moving in front of stars could make them appear to be closer or further away. Meanwhile, this was the Cold War. A Soviet spy craft could have been involved and even downed by the force but kept quiet due to military sensitivity. There's no evidence of Cold War tech. There was a known fireball in the sky around the time of the first incident and Holt's tape from the subsequent investigation suggests that a light flashed every five seconds at certain points, which would be consistent with Orford Ness Lighthouse, though Holt did see more than one or two light sources. The police thought the indentations on the ground were rabbit diggings. (laughs) 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 So rabbit diggings. Good old police. I mean, aren't they going to be... The indentations are surely going to be roughly the same size. And I'm pretty sure you could tell rabbit diggings. Rabbit diggings are pretty obvious, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the fireball... Goodness gracious, great balls of fire! Again, would explain the light coming down. Doesn't explain it going back up. Yeah. The drone, on the other hand, does... Except where would you be controlling that from? And would that have not been picked up miles away? Because, for example, if it's Russian, it's got to get here somehow. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's got a long way to come, potentially. Someone's going to see that. Why would you cover up if Russia is doing that? Wouldn't you want it out there Especially to get that. other countries on your side? Wouldn't yep. you want to take the tech and use it yourself? Yeah, I think it's it's just because of the time period everyone was obsessed with the Cold War. That's been thrown into the mix. I'm so like, I don't know. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's a mystery to this day. All we know is that something happened. So to summarise, we've had strange lights seen in the sky from an Air Force base. The Air Force have chased down these lights to a landing site. A craft was seen by some of the force, though others dispute that anything happened. Was there a cover-up? One person claims to have approached and touched the craft, seeing glyphs on this black growing, glowing craft and visions of binary code which were later translated to be coordinates of significant architecture and places all over the world, along with a message detailing the origin of this craft to be the year 8100. The deputy base commander went out to investigate with a crew and he too saw strange lights in the sky, including craft appearing to beam down light as if examining the Air Force base. The events were dismissed by the military publicly and the information released which went some way to discredit the sightings. But the military also paid out for radiation damage to one of the witnesses for an event they say was a misinterpreted lighthouse light. Alternative explanations include a hoax, misinterpreted astrological sightings and the lighthouse. But is it all a cover-up? Several involved maintained silence during their careers but once free of military restrictions following retirement claimed that most of the publicised information is not factual and stand firm in their view that they have witnessed a UFO or UAP event. What are your final thoughts on this mammoth case which divides public opinion before we conclude? Jim. 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 You're thinking about Midge? Done a 180 on Jim. (laughs) I told you in the first episode (laughs) that there's a lot more to him. We were going to get deep in Jim. We've been deep in Jim. Jim's been probed. Okay. This event is fucking odd. And there is a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. But 
it. It was aliens. <laughs> was not aliens. Whoa, 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 whoa. How You're saying it's ever. Musk. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying it was Musk. We need to have a chat. And so, just remember, Popey says that there is more information than has been made public. I don't think it was aliens, but that's simply because there's. I don't think there's enough proof there to say that it is. I still believe that they saw something. So if you don't think it was aliens, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> well, you better it decide. Was, I did. It's not aliens. <laughs> then what was it? <clears throat> I haven't got to tell you what it was because I don't know. I just don't believe it was aliens. However, if we can get a sit down with Musk, I'm pretty sure we can uh, figure this one out. When he tells us it was him. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Musk, it was aliens. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying it was aliens. I'm saying it was future Musk. So you're saying it was aliens? Or then? past Musk. <laughs> future Whichever Musk. Musk it was. Future past Musk is alien. Come on now, Elon. <laughs> right, well, I'm not saying it was aliens. But it was aliens! Biatch! Ooh. Ooh, yeah. And let me tell you for why. Split. This file has probably been the most in-depth I've ever gotten on a case. My gosh. I spent probably a few weeks of my life probing this one on and off. I've read internet sites, newspapers, parts of book, watched documentaries, YouTube videos, and even listened to a couple of pod- podcasts like Joe Wood's interview with Jim. For me, this incident actually has two different elements. We have the craft on night one and the sightings by Holt on night two. I'm not 100% convinced by all of what Jim had to say, but I do think that they found something in the sky. To me, it is more disturbing to think that the military is lying about our capabilities than it is to think that this was aliens. So until someone comes out and confirms that we can make crafts as described in these type of incidents, I'm saying it was aliens. But we have drones now. Not that can do this sort of stuff, moving thousands of miles a second. Mm. And yeah, tic-tacking all over the place. But yeah, the stuff seen on the second night, I'm not fully convinced by. Perhaps they saw something in the sky shining beams down, but I do think a lot of what they saw was probably in their minds being added to these extraterrestrial sightings. If they weren't already thinking of aliens from night one, they may have interpreted some of these things differently. I also think that on the second night, they probably worked out what some of it was because if they got back to base reporting that something was in the sky, surely a defense would have been scrambled. Unless it was, and nobody has released the information. But there we have it. Any final thoughts, good sir? No. <laughs> My mind is blank. You look very confused. No, I'm fine. <laughs> you really don't sound it. Musk. <laughs> what about Musk? I'm going with Musk from the future. So you're saying it was aliens? Yep. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, no, my... I'm not. I'm, I'm still saying So what do not. you think it was? I don't know what it was. Ball bag tied to a balloon. <laughs> More importantly, why do you think it wasn't aliens? Or future aliens? I just aliens? don't think that there's enough evidence there to sway me that it is. Despite knowing that there's more out there that something definitely was seen there's and more that the military there, have secretly paid off someone who was damaged by what was out there. Until I am read what is in those classified files, I cannot say. They might have been doing an experiment out there and he got hurt by some of the radiation. That's why he got the payout. 
So you think it was human tech? I don't know what it was. I just don't think it was aliens. Well, if it wasn't aliens, it was human tech. So you're saying it was human tech, or you're saying it was aliens. There's, there's no other. Then it was human tech. <laughs> there we go. It's interesting to <laughs> me. Fucking little muddy bitch. Oh, not muddy. I've just said if you're saying it's aliens. If not, then it had to be something don't that know humans what the made. Fuck it was. It could have been aliens. <laughs> so you're saying that it might have been human. Through that line of thinking, we're saying that the base was probably an experimental base where they've worked on some sort of secret craft and injured someone with it. That's uh, another theory. And like I say, and that's exactly why I don't think it was that, because I think that's more disturbing to me than us being visited by aliens. If we've got a military and a government potentially lying to us and controlling us to such a degree. Fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting to me that you think this one is humans, but then you're on board with um, Brazil, was it Virginia? Yep. Which had less evidence than this. Oh, no, that had more. No, it didn't. Yes, it fucking did. <laughs> There's no official payouts for people injured by whatever happened there. No. <laughs> Just a Madinho <laughs> wandering around. Quite salty, though. I don't think this uh, is aliens, are No, no, I'm good. So that's today's show, folks. Thank you for listening to But It Was Aliens. We launched in March 2020, but we've actually been making this podcast for about a year now. It's been eventful. Thank you for joining us on this ride. As always, you can find us on the Twitter at But It Was Aliens. We're on Facebook too. And in addition to our page, we have the group Extraterrestrial Towers. Come probe with us. Well, that's it from us for now. So until next time, are you seeing strange lights in the sky? Do you hear heavy breathing coming from your closet? It's not me. Are you walking like a penguin because your butt is sore, but you just don't know why? Truth is up there. Hashtag prober. Sorry, probers. We don't usually do this, but we've had to jump back into this episode after we finished recording it. We record these episodes a few months in advance, and it turns out some more information has come to light on this one. In fact, we have a step up on many other podcasters. Yes, we do. Because, and this is genuine, completely genuine, it turns out that my parents knew Jim in the 80s. (laughs) This is madness. (laughs) Literally, I was chatting to my parents the other day, I only just told them that I have a podcast. What you're saying is you never told them when we started it. Nope. And you didn't get them to listen to the first episode when you told them? (laughs) (laughs) No, and that's not happening. But... Yeah, I'll just jump in and say that they literally... My dad used to be a very good footballer and his uncle, so my granddad's brother, was involved in the management of the team and he lived literally a stone's throw on the same road. Literally, he was a neighbour of Jim. Jim didn't play football, but he was really involved with the team. I could literally tell you things I've learned about his personal life, his family and whatnot. I won't do that out of respect for him. But genuinely, yeah, they knew him. They've drunk in his kitchen. (laughs) He's been round to parties at my dad's uncle's place. And at the time these sightings happened, he legit told them that he was threatened by his bosses and told that he couldn't talk about the incident at all. Literally legit. So, So what you're saying is you have just thrown him under the bus. 
Well, no, because remember he signed, he got them to sign a release saying he could talk about it because oh, yeah, it was public information true. after he retired. But at the time, genuinely, like days after it happened, he told my own family, <laughs> <laughs> this is bonkers. That he couldn't he told, tell anyone. Yeah, that something had happened that he wasn't supposed to tell anyone about and like asked them to keep it quiet and whatnot. My mum believes it. My dad is a bit 50-50, but regardless, his story was there. Obviously, he came out of it years later, but inside knowledge of it happening at the time. Bonkers. That brings me on to another thing. Mm-hmm. So, we went, obviously, to Rendlesham Forest. Yeah. One of my... so Clients? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds so weird when I say it yeah, out of context. Yeah. So, I'm a personal trainer, and one of my clients went to Rendlesham and took her kids Mm -hmm. and just took a couple of pictures while she was there and there's two little weird objects in oh yeah um, you sent me the photo in these pictures (laughs) two green orbs and it's completely baffled me because they're in two totally different yeah, places usually in the picture. Usually, with like lens flare, for example, you'd get that when you're pointing towards the light source, mainly the sun. Yeah. But these orbs are on completely different sides of the image. So they're quite hard to explain. One is literally just on the ground, and then the other is in the air. But they don't look like they could be... Like, they just look so weird. Um, I will definitely put those up. Yeah, and that's not to say that we think orbs are aliens, but it's just interesting. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we just want this to drop back in to tell you that <laughs> we know Jim. <laughs> well, technically my parents know Jim, but, but regardless. His parents know Jim! Jim and Maria, his wife. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I wanted to mention a couple of other things as well, because remember we discussed how one of the people involved got a payoff for the damage he experienced? Mm-hmm. Well... Officer Burrows from 1979 to 1982, his military records don't exist. They didn't even record he was in the Air Force. So Officer Burrows was experiencing health issues and went to the doctors, but they said he had no military record at that time. The docs made a request of the military and got nothing back. He showed the Veterans Affairs Medical Office his enlistment papers, to which they said his records must be classified. Burrows was experiencing health issues and had a pacemaker fitted. Wow. And obviously he got the in the payoff from the military about the damage he'd experienced as a result of this incident. So yeah, that's another little tidbit that I didn't know about at the time of recording. And one more thing, the audio tape we mentioned in these episodes was 18 minutes long. Holt is adamant that sighting went on for hours. That's been wiped too, possibly. Damn. Some interesting shit. Still not changing my stance. Oh, I wasn't yet. I don't think we should change our stance. I think we should stick to obviously the story we had, but for our listeners, I thought this is really interesting. And 100%. I've obviously studied a lot of other, not just podcasts, YouTube shows and whatnot. And I don't think I've come across anyone who knew the people involved at the time other than the people at the time. Mm. So the fact that I've actually got a family connection to this is it's really madness. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. And had I have known about this when I was younger, we might have started doing this show years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. Could have actually got an interview with him. Yeah, I, he's come back to Suffolk a few times as well to like do videos and whatnot at the site. So I wonder if he's even made contact with my dad's uncle since then. Is he Hello, still Keith? alive? Jim? Yeah. As far as I know, yeah. Hmm. 
<laughs> I don't want to turn into an interview show. Though. No, me neither. <laughs> that but... just would not work because we pound him with our laughs and <laughs> not believing. Like he didn't mention anything about the time. I should add about the binary code. That was oh, not okay. mentioned. He just said that he'd seen, obviously, what he thought might be an alien and whatnot, and that he was threatened, or not an alien, sorry, a craft and whatnot, and he was threatened not to ever talk about it. And he was pretty sort of genuine at the time and a little bit shaken up by it all. Wow. So, yeah, I, I still maintain that he elaborated on it and he's tried to make sort of a living off it later on in life, but I still think that the, the actual court event happened. Madness. Yeah, absolute madness. But yeah. Thank you for helping us get to this episode, y'all. <laughs> what up? And remember, the truth is up there. Hash. <laughs>